0: It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break, down. break all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Proster With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson.
1: Senator Mike Patton from the 4th Legislative District joins us at 4 p.m. to discuss his attempt
2: to amend the Constitution. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to weigh in on a case involving faithless electors.
1: And a bill has been filed in the Senate that would allow Seattle to lead by example. But first,
0: give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610.
1: Welcome into the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610, the number, email, 610KONA.com, bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say, and on Twitter, at Bottom Line 610. Robin Ed with you. It is the first Friday of the legislative session, and that means joining us via phone, Jason Mercier from the Washington Policy Center. And, Jason, I'm very happy to let people know that loud sound that was heard around the area yesterday was not your head exploding.
3: I'm not entirely sure that's accurate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What a week. The first week of the legislative session, Jason.
3: It has just been astounding. I mean, we are in day five, and the amount of things that have happened this week, it's just been a shock and awe campaign. It's just amazing.
1: So what are some of the things? We know that there have been a number of bills that were held over from the last session. And and for people that may not understand exactly what that means, uh, if a bill has gone through a second reading, it's held over, and it's introduced in the next session, you can't amend it. So these bills that didn't get passed in the last session aren't available available to be amended if they're brought back up on the floor, and it's just a vote to accept that as is, correct?
3: So the way the things work is we are on a biennial process. So even though hundreds and hundreds of bills have already been introduced this week in this new session, and that's what we're hearing a lot about, all the bills that were introduced last session technically are still alive. That's why you really can't go to sleep on anything that you thought died last year. So what they do, along with all of these new bills that they're dropping, is on the first day of session they pass a resolution that basically puts all of the bills from last year back at their last standing. So if they were at a committee, they go back to committee. If they were on the floor, they go back to floor. If they were on what's called second or third reading, they go back on second and third reading. So what you saw happen on the second day of session is the Senate, voting on bills which was kind of a surprise because we hadn't really seen things go through any of the hearings this week but there were a few bills that had been was called on second or third reading from last year that they brought back to the floor and that included the ban on plastic bags but because of where it was in the process that means it wasn't eligible for amendment so you saw the Senate on the second day of session pass the plastic plastic bag ban without amendments and without a public hearing.
1: And now it goes to the House for their vote.
3: And and it does, and the problem with not allowing a public hearing or amendments is this bill was dated on specific things happening last year. So it's it's inoperable. It's outdated. It it references things that were supposed to happen last year. So the House is going to have to change this no matter what, which brings the question, what was the rush?
1: Well, of course, the rush is to save the environment, Jason.
3: Well, if you want to save the environment, let's do it in a transparent and accurate way and something that can actually be put into law, not something that has to be changed because there's errors in it.
1: You're asking for way too much. If you haven't been paying attention the last four years, you know transparency is not at the top of the docket, sir.
3: Well, apparently neither is following the Constitution based upon a couple of other things that happened this week.
1: Yeah, and uh, that—that's just the tip of the iceberg. It seems there's been this long stand. Well, I shouldn't say long-standing, but I would say again about this this four-year range where we have seen more and more bills being introduced that go opposite the Constitution without the attempt to amend the Constitution, but to end around, circumvent, and hoping nobody sees the strike lines.
3: Well, I mean, I guess that's why we're around because we'll read these things and we'll try to point it out for everybody to try to hold their lawmakers accountable. But where would you like to start? Do you want to start with the effort before the Supreme Court or the effort to deny us our right of initiative and referendum?
1: Well, let's start with the right to deny us initiative and referendum since a companion Senate bill dropped along those lines today. We may as well get get into both versions, the House and the Senate, which I'm sure they're mirror images of each other. But it's awfully interesting how uh, in going through looking at the text, a lot of strike lines. A lot of strike lines, yet not one time did we see anything about this is an amendment to the Constitution.
3: So Washington's Constitution wastes no time in identifying who is in charge. Article 1, Section 1 says all political power resides in the people. We are the sovereigns. We are the ones with the power, and the lawmakers and the elected officials can do things with our consent. That's the very first section of our state constitution. Article 2, Section 1, that's what creates the legislature. That's the legislative branch. Before the legislature is given any power, the people reserve the, for themselves the right to propose laws. Those are initiatives. And the right to repeal laws. Those are referendum. So before we tell the lawmakers that you're allowed to do anything, we say we're going to keep for ourselves a co-equal lawmaking authority. We get to propose laws and we get to repeal laws that's what the Constitution says now let's go to a couple of bills that have been introduced this week both in the House and now there's a companion to the Senate it is under the title odd year elections what does that mean well when you read this bill if you start going through it that you see that in odd year elections so last year would have been an odd year election it would strike out the people's constitutional right to propose initiatives or to run referendum (laughs) You can't do that without a constitutional amendment to begin with. But secondly, what happens in odd years? Odd years are budget-writing years. Those are when they're most likely to raise taxes. So what you're saying is you don't want the people to have any recourse to have a check on what the legislature does?
1: You know, Jason, this is one of the things that I think, unfortunately, maybe this is the litmus test. Maybe this is finally the, the big litmus test for people in the state of Washington, particularly registered voters, to see if they're awake. Because we've seen so many things pass the legislature the last few years that, that that have infuriated most people that are watching what's going on in government. Maybe this is the one that finally they have pushed the line too far and will finally see the retro, the, the, the reaction from... Residents of this state, when they take away their ability to take part in their government, other than voting somebody into office. Well,
3: office? You're, you're going to get a very easy or first chance at this. It has already in the House been scheduled for a public hearing on January 22nd. So if you have some concerns about having your right of initiative and referendum taken away from you in odd election years, that's your chance to let your voice be heard. Is- An interesting side note on this when you look at these bills, both in the House and the Senate, you're going to see something in common about the sponsors. Now let's see. What 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 would you think would be in common about the sponsors?
1: They're all Democrats.
3: Well, yes, but that's not that that's too easy.
1: Well, I, I I figure we hit the
3: easy one first. Uh, let's they see. Almost, they're they're almost all they're all are on the transportation committee.
1: Ah, okay.
3: There we go. So what could they possibly be responding to?
1: Of course, nine seventy six. But here's the other thing, too, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but we've seen a number of climate bills that have come in even number years, climate initiatives, so you wouldn't be able to put those in, and it seems to me that it's a very narrow focus on one guy and one initiative, and the damage that they're going to wind up wreaking with this is going to come back to bite them.
3: Well, so let's, let's even go a step further. Okay, so this odd-year election bill. Now, maybe they're going to make the argument, well, you know, odd years, voter turnout isn't as high as even years, so we we don't want to have a minority of voters determining policy with the state of Washington. Okay, so if, if you hear that argument be made next week, I want you to pay close attention to the rest of the bill that still allows the school district, that still allows the city council, that still allows the county council to put tax increases on the ballot in odd years. So you're going to tell me Voter turnout is too low for the people to exercise their rights, but it's high enough to raise taxes.
1: It's it's stunning. It it really is. Now, let me ask you this, Jason. We know the House is doing the pilot program for remote testimony. Will this bill be in a committee that is using remote testimony?
3: Unfortunately, it is not in the House. It is not one of the three committees. Of course not. There was that Senate companion drop today, so if this gets a hearing in the Senate any committee in the Senate is, is open to remote testimony. We're
1: going to take a quick time out. Bottom Line News Radio 610 Kona talking with Jason Mercier. from The Washington Policy Center, the first full week of the short session is done and they have hit the accelerator as far as oh, let's see Pepto-Bismol um, anything that would need to help you keep things in your stomach because it has been a long, difficult first week of the session and we haven't even gotten to the tax stuff yet. Back with more of the Bottom Line after this.
0: Hook up with the Bottom Line on Twitter at BottomLine610. Now, back to the show. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prossim. Back in
1: the bottom line, News Radio 610 k A five four seven one six ten is the number on the line with us. Our good friend Jason Mercier from the Washington Policy Center is the first week of the legislative session is in the books. And Jason, before we get to the money stuff, let's get to the nanny stuff. Uh, there was a bill that was dropped uh, that would basically dictate exactly what could be in a Happy Meal, drink-wise thought that was interesting. Now, I'm guessing, just personally, that a lot of businesses aren't going to be against this because it gives them a real good chance to upsell.
3: Well, you know, I, I do have to say I'm kind of grateful for this bill because I usually when I take my kids out to eat, I, I let them look at the menu and tell me what they want to eat. But now I know I can just go walk in right away and get them a root beer. Since they don't want to give me that option anymore, I'll just randomly go in there and say, give my kids root beers. And what well, this bills would do is basically if there is a pre-set – kids met you. So you have food and there are drinks. The drink options can no longer include anything except for water, milk, or juice.
1: Now, Jason, you could teach your kids to overcome adversity at a young age by taking the non-dairy option.
3: <laughs> I, I'm just glad that the state of Washington is, is finally putting the time together to address the pressing needs of the state.
1: Well, of course, like the Razor Clam. I mean, come on. We got to have – didn't we just do this the other year where we had an official clam?
3: Well, now see you're, you're, you're missing the opportunity for some great theater, though, because what is the mascot for the Evergreen State College, which resides in Olympia? Isn't it the, the gooey duck? It is the gooey duck. So yes, yeah, it's like the
1: rest of the college.
3: <laughs> so if the college is going to riot over little things, just imagine what's going to happen when the state tries to tell them that their mascot isn't good enough to be the state clam.
2: <laughs> back, back, back to the kids' meals, Jason. I, uh, as as Rob collects himself, uh, I'm I'm curious, and I'm being serious here because we know that uh, there, you know, there's been a push in Seattle and even in the state legislature to tax sugary beverages. So, when, with this particular piece of legislation that. Uh, in essence, takes the sugary beverage off of the standard kids meal. Is there also an additional tax for people that want to get their kid a root beer or something like that?
3: Hey, please don't give them any ideas.
2: Oh, no, I, I doubt okay. they're listening. So
3: they uh, are as right. As they, as they right got now, Jesus. This bill is strictly just a, a regulatory that you, as a business owner, as a restaurant facilitator don't have the option to put what you want on your menu and if you do you're going to be subject to fines
1: don't you know they bugged jason's phone by now
2: <laughs> they probably
1: they do. are
3: listening <laughs> <laughs>
2: so aside from uh from the nanny state uh, the kids meal while you're while you're uh, jason when you're getting your kids the the root beers uh please whatever you do don't grab any of the plastic forks or knives
3: you know, I think I might have told you this story about when they tried to do the paper straws last year. We we like to go to Disneyland. California is has already done this. Well, at least in Disneyland, they don't have plastic straws anymore. And sure enough, after a few minutes trying to drink the drinks, my kids are telling me, hey, my, my drink doesn't work anymore. The straw has basically melted. So we had to smuggle in plastic straws from Starbucks just so we'd have our drinks. Well, now we may have to smuggle in our own utensils because another bill is to ban the single-use plastic forks and knives.
1: It's just amazing. It really is. It's stunning. Twenty years ago, we were told we had to go from paper bags to plastic bags to save the trees because it would be better for the environment. Now... We're going back to paper, and we're going to cut forests down so we get rid of paper or plastic bags. Which, by the way, if they wanted to actually pay a little bit of attention and dive into it, there are biodegradable plastic bags that now can be made and manufactured. But that might be a little bit too much effort.
2: So, Jason, oh, go ahead, Jason. i go ahead. I was I was just, just going to I was just going to say that. You know, you mentioned the paper straws as the alternative to the plastic straws. Please don't tell me they're thinking about making paper forks and knives.
3: Well, you know, if the kids are going to have more time to eat with their hands that they won't be able to look at the beverages on the menu.
1: Now, look, I mean, let's be honest here. The people proposing these bills, they only use silverware. Okay, So they're not going to be confronted by any of this. They don't go to barbecues where it's more more effective to get paper plates and plastic utensils. I mean, they're not of that. They're not of that. They're of the elite class. So this isn't going to impact them. They're just going to make it better for everybody else, and they're going to make sure everyone is as environmentally conscious as they are. So when they tear, when they, if they eventually succeed in tearing the dams out, all that extra CO two that'll be put into the air by the fifty times amount of trucks that'll be on the roads, well, it'll be circumvented because we won't have plastic straws and forks
3: well you know speaking of tearing down the dams we, we do have a new bill today to help kind of solve this problem where it is in seattle
1: that's it's wonderful it's a wonderful bill I, I i i applaud senator erickson because i agree with him if seattle
2: wants this they should be leading by example for those that don't follow along jason why don't you clue us in
3: so Obviously, the whole exercise here to cheer down the Snake River dams is is a political one. It's, it's not reality for many reasons. Not only is the science not there, but it requires an act of Congress. Nonetheless, we've gone through this exercise of spending almost a million dollars studying what people think about it. Those that wanted to brave the snow on Monday and missed the uh, college championship game got to hear from the governor's folks about this study that they did. Well, there are those that think that since there's the efforts to try to tear down, tear down our dams, maybe the Ballard Locks in Seattle should be also torn down or study about whether or not they should be reviewed. So kind of a tongue-in-cheek bill was dropped by Senator Erickson to say it was good enough to look at the Snake River dams. it's good, to look, good enough to look at what's in Seattle's backyard.
1: Well, aren't the environmentalists on board with that?
3: Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what kind of response it gets.
1: I would think it would be obvious, right? I mean, you know, it's going to make it life so much better. I mean, Gosh, well, no. Well, a couple of places might have some small issues when it comes to rising water, but
3: but they'll be fine. They'll just be able to move their property, right? Yeah, we'll have to see what those homeowners there in, uh, on Lake Washington think about that.
2: Well, Jason, we have uh, about a minute or two before our break. I wanted to get to this one. Uh, we've got other things to cover on the other side of the break, but this... Uh this one bill is on uh, is another example of on the surface people are going to go, yeah, that's awesome. You dig a little bit deeper in and eh, maybe not so awesome, and that is the uh, push for a 32-hour work week.
3: Yeah, we we just saw that bill introduced today, and I guess it's trying to make Washington friends because uh, it would basically say that Going forward, for all employers, you have to only have a 32-hour work week, and if you make your employees work more than that, you owe them time and a half. So you can only imagine, on top of everything else, that's been put on the employers, what the reaction is going to be to that.
2: Well, if the if the minimum wage is you know $15 an hour, maybe that does work out okay.
3: Well, you're gonna to have to see what the economics are of seeing that you we're going to try to work less less or now what do you do? You, you, you're telling people that we're just going to hire more part-time workers since everybody's basically part-time now.
1: So just out of curiosity, Jason, um, with a lot of the things that already are in state law regarding certain impacts on employees, and we'll touch on this on the other side of the break, like health care, uh, other things that employers are mandated to give to employees, they aren't based on a 32-hour work week. So Maybe when we get back, we can discuss the implications of that and all the wrangling that's going to have to be done to rewrite other existing laws to match with this unless they, you know, pull out the Inslee Wand and magically wipe all that into this bill. We'll, we'll discuss more of that with Jason when we get back here on The Bottom Line, News Radio 610-KONA. K O is Friday afternoon, and, Ed, it's not snowing.
2: It's not, yeah. and I think, well, there's, there's drips coming off the roof. Either we have a leak or...
0: It's It's melting. melting.
2: (laughs) More of the bottom line in just a moment. This is News Radio 610 KONA.
0: Give us your bottom line. Call 509 547 1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser.
1: Back at the bottom line, news radio six ten K one eight five four seven one six ten, the number that's on hold while we talk with our good friend from the Washington Policy Center, Jason Mercier. And Jason, um Let's touch on this 32-hour work week, Bill, and then I want to talk about actually, believe it or not, maybe something people might raise an eyebrow at, bipartisan legislation um, that's been proposed in both the House and the Senate. But um, this 32-hour work week, does does this basically rewrite everything that is in law currently regarding what employers are going to have to – What employers have to provide to employees uh, based on the minimums? It basically throws everything else out that's in
3: existence. Well, I think you just hit on what some of the testimony is going to be when this bill, if this bill is heard. Like I said, it was just introduced today because it's a short bill. It just basically goes in and says employers can only require a 32-hour work week unless they pay time and a half. But it doesn't touch all of the other regulations and all the other provisions, all the other mandates on employers that are implicated by that. So that will probably be the question of are you trying to, to basically blow up the entire work code in the state of Washington and start over, or is this basically a hero bill that really has no serious effort behind it?
1: Well, I mean, the first question I would ask, Jason, is that if, if that completely blows unemployment out of the water, Because right now, if you work under 40 hours and you're on, if you're on unemployment, you get a job and you you work under 40 hours a week, you can still claim unemployment in the state of Washington. So if you have to pay time and a half over 32 hours, that throws unemployment completely upside down.
3: Well, again, with this being an election year, what you have to realize is on some of these bills, this is what they call the hero bills. They're going to be a hero to some local saying, Hey, I made the suggestion. I fought for you with no real intention to move forward. The concern that you have, though, is when you have three, four five sponsors like this bill does have is, well, how serious of an effort is behind it?
1: Well, and the other question is, I mean, did they even think about it? I mean, this, this is utter nonsense. This this bill is, pardon my French, it's absolute crap. There, there's no way that something like this can pass without completely and totally destroying every previous piece of legislation that deals with employees and employers.
3: Well, you know, Washington passes a lot of laws, but sometimes they think they're immune to the laws of unintended consequences. And this may help be the poster child for why you want to slow down and think things through before just... Sponsoring every idea that comes into your mind.
1: You know, Jason, I've never seen a legislature in my life who takes such pride in its economy and, and on the other hand, does everything they possibly can to ruin it.
3: Well, that's a good segue into something that happened on the first day of session concerning our favorite topic, income taxes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why'd you break it down for us, Jason?
3: So, literally, moments before session began, Right. So the first day of session is usually just a lot of ceremony, it's everybody congratulating themselves, standing ovations. <laughs> we, we couldn't even get to that before you saw 15 Democratic lawmakers from the House and the Senate file a brief to the state Supreme Court asking the Supreme Court to overturn nearly 100 years of case law. Say so you no longer own your income so that they can impose an income tax without a constitutional amendment. That is the tone that they set Session off with. Wow. (laughs) And not to be undone, the very next day, several unions filed a brief with the same argument Supreme Court, please overturn your rulings and allow an income tax without a constitutional amendment. And today, kind of just, the hits just keep coming. The state insurance commissioner filed a brief with the state supreme court, saying, "Overturn your rulings and allow an income tax because we need that money to provide health care." I, I feel like I'm venting here. I want to thank you guys for this therapy hour. Hopefully, <laughs> your billing isn't too expensive.
1: No, well, no. It, 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 number one, it's
2: not. It's what we're here for. You and every other member of the community. So, I, I'm curious, Jason. The you know, look, I I get why the Democrats did that brief. I get why the unions did it. Why would the insurance commissioner want to weigh into something like this?
3: Well, so let me me opine about what his motives may be. You may recall last year that we passed a study on how Washington could do single-payer health care and basically said this is something we want to do, but we didn't identify a funding mechanism. Well, now I think we know what funding mechanism the insurance commissioner has in mind an income tax, because if you look at his brief that he filed today, he says we need a graduated income tax to help provide health insurance for Washingtonians.
1: Can I give you another level on that step? How how, how about the fact that there's still a court ruling that is awaiting the future of Obamacare, and if it gets struck down in total, there will be no more federal money coming to Washington State to help support the system that's currently in place?
3: And that is actually something that his brief alludes to, is the the need to have that funding for Obamacare. Hmm. So
1: we're going to go to an income tax, and then we're going to be Venezuela. Wonderful.
3: But, you know, whether you're the unions, whether you're the Democratic lawmakers, whether you're the insurance commissioner, there is a way for you to do this. It's called amend the Constitution. It's not called, voters, you're not cooperating, so let me see if I can find some friendly judges to do my dirty work for me.
1: The unions are the ones that surprise me here, Jason, because it seems to me that that is not in their best interest.
3: Well, no, it's directly in their best interest because they are the ones that get the funding from the government employment.
1: The public service unions, yes, but but trade unions, this isn't going to help.
3: Well, I, I should have specified they were public unions, not trade
1: yeah, public public service unions, they're going to benefit by this hands down because they get paid by taxpayer dollars anyway.
3: Yeah, and that's a good, good good correction. I should have specified they were public sector unions.
2: Well, going back to your point Jason that yeah, it's 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 a simple fix. They don't have to do all these end around things. They just need to amend the constitution. The problem is, although they the Democrats do have a significant majority, they clearly aren't going that route because they know they don't have a two-thirds majority to do that.
3: And now we go back to the very first section of our Constitution, Article One, Section One: The people are the sovereigns, and the people have repeatedly said no. We've been sent six constitutional amendments. We have said no. We've been sent 10 straight ballot measures for an income tax. We have said no. You just saw Spokane voters pass by 72% a local income tax ban. We just had a poll come out with the same numbers. Washingtonians are being clear to this. We don't want this. Hey, Jason. They are trying to impose one on us.
1: This just popped into my head. I don't know if this is possible or not, but there are a few attorneys over there in Olympia. Could a a resident of the state of Washington sue the state at a federal level for violating its own constitution?
3: Unfortunately, no. State constitutions are strictly state court. And let me give you a really sad example of this. You know, we used to have in our constitution the requirement, well, not in our constitution, we used to have a requirement for a supermajority vote to raise taxes, right? That was a statutory in our court, so we can't do that. Well, Nevada actually had, Nevada's constitution said it required a supermajority vote to raise taxes. And the Nevada Supreme Court ruled their constitution was unconstitutional because they wanted to raise more taxes for education. So obviously the governor of Nevada went to the Federal court said, "Hey, help me here. My Supreme Court just invalidated my state constitution, but the federal court said it's a state issue; it's not a federal issue."
0: Hmm.
1: So basically, you have no recourse then when your legislature go well. Uh, I, you know, I know we have the recourse; you can vote them out, blah blah blah. But we know that doesn't happen ninety percent of the time. So basically, you have no recourse when your legislature violates your constitution, and your Supreme Court justices violate your constitution without amending it.
3: Well. As you said, we get to elect our Supreme Court justice, and I know that you're going to have Senator Patton on in a little bit to talk about one way to provide a little more accountability for that. We do have the ability to elect our lawmakers, and we just have to exercise that. Voter turnout is sadly dismal in most years. It's in our hands to hold our elected officials responsible and accountable for what they do. But at the end of the day, if you want an income tax you don't want an income tax, if you want to not have the people vote on ballot measures you want them to vote on ballot measures. Have an honest debate. Don't try to inrun our constitutional rights.
1: Now, Jason, we have had a couple pieces of uh, legislation that actually is bipartisan. Uh, one of those bills in the House co sponsored by both members of the sixteenth legislative district, Representative Bill Jenkin and Skyler Uh what are we going what are we attempting to accomplish that we can actually somewhat agree upon in the legislature?
3: Well <laughs> continuing to harp on this income tax thing, there was a bill introduced today, a bipartisan bill in the Senate with both Democrats and Republicans, to reinstate the local income tax ban that the appellate court tossed last summer.
1: In the Seattle ruling.
3: Correct, and there is a companion bill in the House as well. So this shouldn't be a controversial deal because all the, the lawmaker would be doing is reinstating a law that has been in existence for over 30 years that the appellate court shockingly said was unconstitutional. So, And the fact that you have the strong opposition of the voters to a local income tax. I mean, you would expect this to, ha- to happen. Will it? That's what we'll have to see.
1: I did notice, as we go to a, go to our final break, I did notice that it conveniently left out upholding the ban on state income tax.
3: Well, again, the, the state income tax isn't un- unconstitutional. You can have a flat 1% income tax. It's just the graduate that's unconstitutional. That being said, it has never been allowed at the local level. and That's what this would reinstate.
1: We're going to take our final timeout. hour number one, back to wrap things up with Jason Mercier, the Washington Policy Center. Week one of the legislative session in the books. The bottom line, News Radio 610 to KONA.
0: show call the Legendscasino.com hotline 509-547-1610 back to the bottom line with rob and ed presented by summit funding in kennewick and prosser on news radio 610 k-o-n-a
1: back in the bottom line news radio 610 k-o-n-a jason Hogue, american family insurance Proud sponsor of the program. If you aren't happy with your coverage, stop by, see Jason on Road 68 in Pasco, or check out his website, com. Small business, life, auto, home, farm insurance, American Family Insurance really does have it all to cover you and everything that you love. Contact Jason Hoog today via the website, com or stop by his office on Road 68 in Pasco. Talking with Jason Mercier with the Washington Policy Center here. And Jason, um... There was a little rally out there today. Did you uh, catch any of that? the gun rally out in front of the Capitol today?
3: You no, know, I did not. Uh, I wasn't there today. I have seen the coverage of it. And it, some of it turned a little bit to some attacks on Representative Wilcox as well. So it looks like the state patrol has been brought in about some threats that have been made to, against him concerning how things are unfolding with the Shea situation
1: yeah it, it certainly looked like it was uh, it was pretty packed out there that uh, representative Shea was the center of some attention and of course the uh, the situation with representative Wilcox uh, we do know that there are some gun bills that are going to be put forward. We touched on it a little bit earlier but uh, one of the things too that to, to focus on is yet again another attempt where nobody in the state apparently really cares that much about it is another carbon tax or a, or a carbon emissions type law that will tax the bejesus out of people to the two to 57 cents a gallon. And
3: there are two important things this week on that. The first, the state Supreme Court in a five to four ruling basically invalidated most of Governor Inslee's attempt to bypass the legislature and impose a cap and trade system. Uh, he tried to do that. He was immediately sued. And the court basically took most of that rule and that effort and, and invalidated it. And the governor is now using that as saying, you know, because the court has taken away my power to do this on my own, now I've got to have the legislature really double down and pass what they call this low-carbon fuel standard. Now, technically, it is not a tax increase because the money doesn't come to the legislature, to the state. But it's the equivalent of a gas tax increase. You're paying more at the pump. And that's kind of a double whammy because you're paying more at the pump, but that money is not going to transfer, transportation infrastructure. And it's also a very inefficient way to try to actually accomplish the environmental goals that the governor is setting out to do.
1: Well, sure, because it's going to prevent people from low income from being able to get that electric car.
3: <laughs> well, the, the, you have to listen to what the governor says very carefully. Because he'll say, you know, this is a proven thing that's in place in Oregon and California, and it only costs one cent in Oregon. Well, that was technically accurate two years ago when the program was only 10% in, into phase. Now it's kicking up more each year, and the more that it kicks in, the more the mandate is in place, the higher that cost goes, and that's why you start to see these projections of anywhere from 9 to 50 cent increase in the price of gas for the standard.
1: Well, that's because most of the people that are listening to him are pay, are half paying attention. They hear one cent, they're fine, and then all of a sudden they're going to see a dramatic increase, and they're going really like, what happened here? And, well, you let them get away with it.
3: And there is going to be an interesting political fight on this because one of the ops, the governor has been trying this for years, and one of the major obstacles has been Senator Steve Hobbs, who's the Democratic chair of the Senate Transportation Committee. Now he he supports the governor's environmental efforts. He thinks that things should be done. He's actually proposed a carbon tax. But his sensitivity is he wants a new transportation package, which would include a gas tax, and he doesn't want to have your gas prices going up for no transportation benefit. At the same time, he's trying to push a gas tax increase. So it's going kind to of be interesting to see how his own party, especially on the transportation side, what kind of reception this proposal gets. We know the environmental community likes it. When it starts coming to the infrastructure people, how do they respond to it?
1: Talking with Jason Mercier with the Washington Policy Center here on the Bottom Line News Radio six ten K one A. You know, once again, Jason, we 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 hear regressive tax packaged in a in a really nice bow, intended to be something other than what it is. And yet we continue to hear about how bad regressive taxes are.
3: And this is getting back to, I guess, some of the way that we started the show. This is only the fifth day of a short 60-day session, and you can see everything that has unfolded. The hits on the employers, the efforts to go to the courts to overturn constitutional protections, the low-carbon fuel standard, a carbon tax. I just don't even know what we should be prepared to expect for next week.
1: Can, well, I mean, what can we prepare for next week, seeing these things moving forward?
3: Well, some of these have already been underneath the committee. They have heard the hearing for the low carbon fuel standard. One bill, let's let's kind of transition to end on something on a little lighter note. One bill that has already moved through committee is now on its way to the floor, is designating the state dinosaur.
2: Well, that's done nice. <laughs> because they're alive. Yes. And, and well, we need to know that. is what, it Barney? What, pray tell, is the state dinosaur? Or what will it be?
3: I believe it's pronounced a rex. I know I just butchered that. But I, I guess the transition I would make is we know that birds are dinosaurs and chickens are birds. And we would recently had Marshawn Lynch tell us we've got to protect our chickens. And I think that's going to be some sage advice for, for the session.
1: Well, most of, it seems like most of the legislators on the other side of the aisle tend to fall into that category as well because they want the Supreme Court to do their dirty work because they know they don't have the votes for a supermajority to amend the constitution to put in an income tax. It just it's stunning to me, Jason. I mean how how cowardly they are that they don't want to man up and do this. They don't want to turn around and say we think this is the best thing, so we're going to get they don't have a supermajority. And I'd be surprised how many Democrats when it comes down to it would vote in favor of a capital gains or an income tax in the first place knowing the damage it could potentially do to their career.
3: I don't have the answers. Rob, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't understand what they're trying to do. You have the governor say, look at how great Washington's business climate is. Look how great our economy is. But there's a reason for that, and they're trying to throw it away.
1: It's just mind-blowing. It really is. You stand and you talk on one platform, and then you try to tear the platform down at the same time while you're still standing on it. Jason Mercier, Washington Policy Center, always appreciate your time, my friend. We will talk to you a week from today, and hopefully uh, your blood pressure is more manageable.
3: Yeah, thanks for letting me vent. Hopefully I'll be a little more even keel next week.
1: You know what? Like I said before, (laughs) it's open to you and anybody else who wants to vent. That's why we provide this forum. Always a pleasure to have Jason on the program, and certainly we feel for him, because I would imagine uh, he was feeling a little like Linda Blair with as many times as his head was spinning this week, with all the stuff coming around and all the shenanigans going on on the floors in both chambers,
2: and like he said, this is only week one. Yeah, only uh, week time one will tell. of eight. Yes, at least. Yeah. Well,
1: we'll see how it rolls, and hopefully, hopefully, it, it, it slows its roll at least
2: on the bad stuff. But you never know. Be prepared, people. Be prepared and pay attention. We're going to roll into our second hour after some ABC news and local news. This is The Bottom Line, News Radio 610, KONA.